All right, Kiss Army. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. I don't think it's into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 127 of the Kiss FAQ Podcast. I'm your host today, Julian Gill, admin on the FAQ message board, and I am joined by Alex Bagboy. Lonnie St. Louis Kiss and the All Marcus. Well, let me do that again. The Almighty, Marcus Almighty Mark. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for joining me as always, and thank you all for joining us. Um, let's just get some news out of the way today. New CD released in England, Kiss World, with this lovely dynasty font that they keep overusing to death. It's got a really good, you know, they did a Greatest Hits years ago. And I think I've mentioned that before, right after Finsbury Park in 97, which since my car broke down on the way to that gig, I ended up just with it getting a fucking CD. So wasn't in England <laughs> for this show either. So it's, you know, it's, I'm a legend tonight on it. Modern day Delilah, hello, hallelujah. Alex just asked us a moment ago, no re-records. It does have typos and errors and shit like that. Um, and I think it's uh, Psycho Circus being credited to 2001 and uh, i was made for loving you being given the wrong 2012 was, it, was 2012 yeah something like that so just the sort of things that kiss fans go up the wall about so you know whatever it's the greatest hits package they sell we know that look at the 900,000 copies the very best of kiss has sold and you know what i'm gonna hand it to them on this that it's got tommy and eric on the cover in makeup just to piss off the people who are going to be pulling their hair out stabbing themselves in the eyes and well okay yeah being their usual cheery selves okay other news and i gotta reach over and get this fucker kiss alive forever digital copy issued yesterday this is my copy it's falling apart it's a little, and, and, a little worn. yeah uh, <laughs> let's have a yeah mine's got a lot of red ink in it actually so um i added i added a lot of information into mine and it fell apart so i've had a digital copy for a few years on my phone because i <laughs> i scanned this into a pdf and did uh, you guys see the picture with it next to the toilet that they post on the on the facebook page yeah but that come was on my book. how many people have i mean would deny never reading that there i mean that's dead time i've read read that freaking book so many times so um, i'm looking forward to talking to kurt and jeff about it i want to dig into a little bit more of the history they are on the latest podcast which just dropped today i just finished listening to that 10 minutes ago ken as always not worthy my friend excellent episode very entertaining you know jeff and kurt are engaging they know the topic they've got the facts and all that you know to hand and the stories behind the stories so you know like i said i'm going to talk to them in a couple of days and uh you know we'll have an episode up and hopefully i won't re uh, retread the same ground that's been gone over on the ex uh the excellent podcast so that that i think is just about it for news right now other than perhaps what we're doing today which is we don't have a topic we're going to the board we're going to look at what people on the faq are talking about and we're going to chime in on some of these topics and you know take them in our own direction um you know i think i want to go with the first one and that's the rock and roll over demos obviously leaked and that thread has degenerated into an attack on current and jeff <laughs> starts with rock and roll over demos which are very cool you can listen to them up on youtube i don't think the uh the stuff has been uh, put up on uh dime a dozen yet you know um full lossless so you can at least hear them but you know getting into some of the stuff about kiss live forever and the faq i gotta say we're a very unique community that something can start off so positively about talking about a leak of audio and degenerate into an attack on some authors so um Here's to you, FAQ. No wonder I'm hated by Kiss and everyone associated with the band. Solani, let's go to you. You know what topics are jumping out at you today? Well, what really jumped out to me today um, was the news, and there's a thread out on the board um, that the theme for Kiss Crew Seven is Kiss World at Sea. Yeah. Ugh. And I was, I'm sure 
everybody just made their size and I'm sure everybody around the world for the most part made their size because it's it's disappointing and I'm I'm glad I'm not going to be honest with you because it doesn't you know it sounds like they're going to wear the the creatures outfits again it's just going to be maybe you know what it seems like to me is just going to be a mini replica of the stage that they've been using on tour and they're just going to go out and do you know, maybe maybe they'll throw in some gems, but it doesn't have a theme. I mean, what what's made the Kiss Cruise exciting, at least from a spectator's point of view, the last few years, even if you're not going, is to see Kiss in a different out in the different outfits with the alive outfits, with the creatures outfits, them playing in in suits for the dress to kill theme, um, having a different stage with the alive stage, with the creature stage. Um, that's made it more fun and, and kept. You know, the same va- basically the, the same vacation every year for a lot of people. Fresh every year. That well, it's still yeah, we're going on the, the Kiss Cruise every year, but it, it's still fresh. It's still going to be something new that we haven't seen before, and it's something very unique that's going to be very unique to us going on the cruise. And it doesn't sound like they're going to get that this year. That's kind of it's it's very disappointing, and on even on for my end, and I'm not even going. So had I dropped a few grand to go, I would have been. I'd be kind of hacked off today to say it the least what do you guys think about that do you think we're jumping to conclusions <clears throat> and automatically and, so. and automatically assuming that kiss world as a theme is going to mean what they've been doing is kiss world now or is there just too much of an expectation that they were going to do something thematically based on say dynasty i think that was the one most recently <clears throat> you know they've kind of worked their way through <clears throat> some of the more visual costumes like you you just ran through the whole list what they haven't they done well they haven't done kiss first kiss tour and they haven't done dynasty or to, to destroy or make a mini replica of that destroyer stage on that small stage that's workable i mean you could do that yeah we've we've said that quite a few times actually. yeah i mean we've yeah. mentioned that before so i i don't think that they're out of ideas i just think they're lazy creative juices just think, are just <clears throat> i just think they don't know what to do right now i think it's kind of a Making that title of it, Kiss at Sea, seems very neutral. It just seems that they can spin it off into something else if if they wanted to from that point. But just right now, rather than saying we don't have a clue what to do, they just have to kind of go out there with something, you know, just to kind of, you know, not bring up too many people scratching their head wondering what the heck's going on right now, right? I think that's kind of what's going on with it at, at this point. I mean, will they change it from Kiss at Sea? Who knows, but... They still have the option to, in my opinion. Yeah, dodgy seaman at sea, um, or or maybe wow. a, or maybe taking into account the political situation in the world and kiss fans on a boat, psycho circus at sea, <laughs> asylum at sea, asylum. Uh, <laughs> right, now you're now you're stretching it, but I don't know. I just crazy nights at sea. There you go. You know I. Oh Jesus! Everyone will be showing up in their blue thong. <laughs> the guys, wow. not the gals. The gals will be no. The guys, obviously, yeah. the guys will be but, sticking forks in their eyes. I mean, okay. Well, I mean, obviously, they're not going to do Asylum at Sea. They're not going to do Crazy Night at Sea. Even and, and even I'll say they're not going to do Revenge at Sea as much as I'd like them to do. You know, they're they're going to wear the makeup for those indoor shows. They're not going to do. They're not. They're just not going to do that. At this point, I'd, I'd, I'd be shocked if they would do anything like that. But to say Kiss World at Sea, well, they just came off the Kiss World European tour. It really just it gives you the vibe and it gives you the feel of just a, a continuation of that tour. Oh, but we're on a boat instead. And yeah, we might throw a few a few extra songs for the for the people that that you know that ponied up and then are here. But it's kind of disappointing. Yeah, Kiss World was very lackluster in terms of its stage. Uh, I've got to say, you know, we hear the phrase, show them how the big boys do it, coming out of Mr. Simmons' mouth a lot. And then you see Kiss World as has just toured Europe. And then I, I don't know if people saw some of the stuff maybe I posted or it may have been on my, my other personal Facebook page, is Roger Waters' stage show in Mexico mm-hmm. City. Um <clears throat> recently which obviously had a lot of highly political and somewhat derogatory overtones but in terms of its visuals and everything and today someone posted on the the music board on the faq um lonnie metallica 
Busch Stadium. Have you seen any of that yet? The, yeah, I've seen it. The, I didn't go. The production but... of One. I mean, it's amazing. These these are the big boys, and then you look at Kiss. That's World. how they do it. Then you look yeah. at Kiss World, and that's I'm you know yeah. the, the cherry pickers coming out a long way over the audience is neat, but Motley Crue did it. Who hasn't? Um, there's not much to that stage anymore. So. What does it mean for on a boat? Well, yeah, it's easy to put that on on a boat because all you've got are... Uh, and Alex, I haven't forgotten about you. It's, thank you for your patience. Uh, it is some piping. Yeah, that's that's all it is. It, it, it's very uninspired. So, I don't know. This is, what, Kiss Crew 7. I get the distinct impression that it's kind of losing its uh, luster, apart from the Kaching part, where they they know they're going to make bank on it. And now it's kind of, you know, they're also getting rid of the electric sail away show and replacing it with the acoustic again. Um, I don't know. To me, that it, it just seems like a real regression. Alex, get, let's get your thoughts on this. I do apologize for ignoring you for so long. You're good. You're good. No, I think, um, I don't know, I like to be optimistic and say maybe they just came up with the title because maybe they're still just trying to figure out what to do. Um you know, they could be uh, um, still having floating some ideas around, and I think they were just kind of like, you know, maybe the promoter was like, we've got to get a title out there. It's been a few months. We've had them out very much earlier. So I, I think like that. Um, I am bummed that they, they did away with the... Um, electric? The, the, the electric uh, sailway show. Uh, but it does say the acoustic storyteller set, so... But I'm hoping it's the real storytellers. You know, I don't want to hear this one's off of Dynasty. Oh, no, shit, you say Dynasty culture. You know, I don't want that then. You know, I want to make sure that they're, you know, like do something fun then. You know, I think it was great um, when Paul did the um, that one song. I was it so long, and uh, and he kind of gave mm-hmm. a little preface about it. And I think he did a little bit with Mistake too when he did it. You know, at the so I'm hoping at least you know it'll be if they're gonna do the acoustic storytellers that. At least have some good dialogue in between the songs, then too. You know, do do some some hidden stuff with it. But now I agree with Lonnie. I, I'd like to see a theme. Um, I don't know. I, I just kept looking at the picture there and thinking Paul's face looks really fat for the uh, the the Kiss World thing. It looks a little bloated there. So I don't know what's going on. But I think they should have done a theme. I think a live tea would have been a great thing, and I think they should have done that. But yeah, didn't they already do that as a live worldwide? I mean, they wore the co- they wore the costumes, but I mean, who wouldn't want to see the Alive Two set list again? I mean, granted, I think some people might crap a brick if they saw Eric do Hooligan, but oh, I would love to see him do. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, I mean, shit, Tommy's already doing Shock Me, so why the hell not? Uh, you know, so <laughs> I think Kiss, you know, Kiss World, you know, you're, you're probably right. It's very early on. It's probably get an idea out there, keep the branding. Um, but I still do think that they're losing, uh, things are losing their luster, especially when they've lost Love Gun from the set on this last outing. I think, you know, Gene, Gene has again kind of mentioned that they're closer to the end than obviously than they were. In 2013, they're talking about the end coming up. You know, yeah. they just can't do this forever, especially if they can't do some of the songs that are just so, uh, you know, critically important to them. So, you know, let's wait and see, you know. Um, you know, at least. Kiss World, there were no flags around it in a little square with a cute little airplane and any of the one-for-all type Kiss World type deal. Let's uh, move on to another topic. Uh, I'm going to bring it up immediately. Gene Solo comes to Mexico. So, good for Gene. He seems to be spreading his bat wings and heading out there a little bit more. Who's been watching YouTube video from this past, was it past week? Where yeah, in Philadelphia. Uh, what, was mm-hmm. that, what was that song he... Before. I know he did a little bit of She's So European and then My Sweet Dirty Love Mr. Speed yeah. he did a little sweet, bit of Mr. Speed Sweet and Dirty Love so off his asshole album and of course the leftover from Psycho Circus so Gene I mean it looks like he's not quite ready to uh, <clears throat> not entertain so I'm, I'm very impressed I can't wait for August Was, wasn't that show also the one where he brought up some people from the audience to sing I Love It Loud with them as well? He did, he, he did that. He, yeah. he did that in St. Louis, too. Come on. Yeah. He, did, oh, yeah, he okay. did that in 2007. Come on. That show when Paul was sick, uh, went to yeah. hospital, he had people come up and help sing Christine 16. So that's how oh, he, that's how okay. he covers. His uh, audience particip- 
participation debt. So, very cool. Uh, okay, who wants to do a next topic, Mark? Okay, well, honestly, for, for me, and I'll be really honest, is that my viewing of the KISS FAQ board for the last half a year at least has been to try and avoid the argument comments and, and, the, and the topics and try to find stuff that I found really, um, you know, just interesting and stuff that I probably wouldn't get anywhere else. Like, for example, I liked your post that you did where you posted the uh, the program. Oh, yeah. From the, right? From the, from the, the tour. And it's like stuff like that where I know I'm not going to be able to get my hands on one. So going over to the board and being able to see stuff like that, for me, is, is pretty good. Now, and I'm also finding myself going back and going to uh, older topics as well and just finding stuff that, you know, that are of interest to me. When, like, that's the great thing about the search part of it. You can go back and see, like, people were talking. Like, I'm, I'm on to the whole, you know, pressing things with the records, and there's a whole bunch of old threads with that on the board and i really love using the board for that i mean I, I look at the board not so much as a thing where there's always negative comments but there's a lot of positive stuff on there that people can find where where can find <laughs> you, you, have, you have to use the search function yeah, you have to you have to go you have to start digging to find it though <laughs> you know what i mean like i mean i, I really enjoyed that thread for example of when julian put that up and i like when you put up the statistics about how the shows did and you know and when people start debating, oh, I don't know that those those numbers don't seem too accurate. But you know, at least you put up the stats, and I like seeing at how things are going. And those are the kind of topics that I like looking at on the board. I mean, you know, there's there's all kinds of different things you can get on here, which is another great thing about the whole message board in general. But I I really like finding those things, the stats, and you know, things like that within the board that uh, are are interesting. You know. So the stats are always interesting. Those are the officially reported numbers via either, uh, who is it, Boxscore uh, and Polestar. So those are probably as valid as a gangster's tax return, um, but those are the numbers. So, you know, make of them what you will. People always say, well, the audience is much bigger than that or much more than that. Yeah, well... You know, we do have our resident dot counter on the board, Nibs, love you, um, mm. who who does a lot of analysis of the actual sales of shows. So I love it. I I mean, I I just live for this shit because I, I find it absolutely fascinating just to keep track of tour by tour and going back through newspaper articles, obviously for the older yeah. shit. Yeah, because he he talks about he he just did a thing on there too about the attendance figures from seventy six seventy seven. There's a thread on the board about that now. When you were asking about what the you know what the average attendance was was for those tours, right? So I mean, you can ask so many different questions on the board, and you can get so many different you know answers on there. And a lot of these people are pretty knowledgeable knowledgeable about it. So it's that kind of stuff is the stuff that I like reading about, you know. Like, and then you have these like you know some other stuff on here too that you know that I'm not so much so interested in. Like you know they they had a one I hear about a serious question about black ace like i can already see that that's not going to be a topic that i want to you no, know actually and... I, mark i'm going to interrupt you that is an awesome topic that is goes it back to yeah phantom of the park the stuntman who played ace was an african-american fellow and yeah, yeah and and people he's finally figured out who he is Oh, so that is like one of the okay. most desirable interviews because people have talked about this guy as a legend. They called him the Black no Ace doubt. for decades because he was so obviously different looking than Ace. And Ace, come on, is pretty freaking different yeah. looking. But uh, just how he looked in the movie was just so awkward. But he was a very well-known... Uh, yeah, there he is. So, I, I mean, yeah. those You just never know what you're going to get in a topic yeah. as well. And that's what I do love about the message board. I do not read a hell of a lot of threads on the FAQ. I keep the board running. And what yeah. that means is I pay for the hosting and work through all the technical details in the background. I do not have time to read message boards. I'm usually working. So um, when we do get a topic like that, that you know, 20 years of people joking about Black Ace... And finally, someone's posted a picture of him and a Facebook page of the of the uh, cast and crew um, of extras on the set. I mean, that's just really cool. Lonnie, throw a topic out there. Um, an interesting one that's out there, and that is Satan Center 2007 said, "In what year did Kiss sound the best? 
live? And I think you can ask a lot of KISS fans that question and get a very diversified group of answers. So let's so what about let, you? Let's, let's so ask what do you that question think? here. Yeah, Alex. So what do you guys think? What year did KISS sound the best to you? And it could be on bootlegs or when you saw them live, doesn't matter. Um, you know, gosh, I, I got to say, I think one of my favorite shows is the... Um, the Buenos Aires, the, the uh, Kissology, 1994. 94, holy shit. Any, any of those. I thought that, that, like, that show alone, like, that period, I mean, nothing against the original period, but that was just, like, on point. Everybody was up to par, up to speed. But then I'll throw another one, though, real quick. St. Center, 83, mentioned on another post, but um, that Brooklyn, 1996, Brooklyn Bridge uh, performance mm-hmm. that he did was excellent too. Isn't, isn't that a thread on the board today actually it is a, it is a thread too i was going to mention that one next but that one i think is when they sounded really great too that that performance was excellent nice lonnie what's what do you think is the best ever sounding kiss show obviously i'm i'm partial to a certain era um so i i do agree with alex that that those south american dates in 94 um stand out to me for sure um but I also I also am partial to the original band. I, I think if you hear like those, those King Biscuit bootlegs and that from from Alive, I think it's an even more accurate representation of what the band sounded like live in that era. Um, so I'm I'm gonna say '94 and '75 are my two favorite years to listen to the band. Mark. Yeah, I I gotta agree. I mean, I really like the whole Revenge era as far as the live performance part of it goes. Um, those South American shows are really good. They, I mean, we have them recorded there just as evidence of that. And But one of my favorite shows still to this day to watch, and when I thought that they were really good, and you can tell they were really on fire, was Winterland for the hot, Hotter Than Hell era there. I thought that they were really, really good then. I mean, you can tell that they were, you know, going out there to convert people to their side of things, and I think that show did a great job of doing that. I think that's one of the more stronger times that they were a band. Yeah, I, I, those are all great picks. I'm trying to think of what my go I, I think Tulsa 75 would be mm-hmm. one that jumps out immediately. Um, I concur on everything about 94, but I'm going to just do the originals there. That Fort Worth show, that uh, the two Fort Worth shows, the partials that recently serviced, are also incredible sounding performances. But for me, anything basically before 1976, when they were hungry, you know, right up to the point where Alive kind of hit, so you have through... I guess the end of the Alive tour, because uh, the album didn't really take off until you know November, early December. You know, anything like that when they're feeding on the frenzy and hungry, the the performances usually, even if they're a bit messy in sports, have the energy. So, you know, when did when did they sound best? When they were a band, before they became paint by yeah. numbers. When they had a purpose. When they had a reason. When they had a reason to live those crazy crazy nights and <laughs> stop it okay mark uh who wants to pick a thread alex how about you i'm, I'm gonna pick one i was gonna pick on it before we got to this one but uh i mentioned saint and center where he did discuss the um the brooklyn bridge performance of 1996 uh you know uh some explicits but you know how great it was you know and, and i have to agree with him i think I was really disappointed with Kissology 3, at least when they had the Detroit show, because I was, I was hoping, because I haven't seen the Brooklyn stuff and thinking, man, I hope the reunion stuff is just as good, but that Brooklyn performance, you know, the filming and everything was excellent, and I wish the rest of the reunion tour footage would have been the same, and even the performances too. So, that being said, is MTV Kiss's enemy, or when they filmed something like Brooklyn Bridge, they did quite a bit with Kiss in 96, I think it's, what, Danny Goldberg? Um, or, or whomever I don't, I don't remember who the person was at MTV but you know they kind of that they put a lot of work into that that Brooklyn Bridge performance and it shows because that is hot that is just freaking hot I mean Mark yeah I, I agree I mean it's definitely one of the more better filmed footage of Kiss that we have from that period for sure <clears throat> um, you know it's I, th- I think once M- MTV to me is one of those 
uh, entities where when you're on people's lips and you're hot, then they're going to go out of their way to kind of, you know, jump on board, right? I mean, look at how long, you know, Kiss said themselves that they were trying and trying for MTV to even, you know, even acknowledge them for years, right? And it, and it finally took, you know, a reunion tour of that magnitude for them to finally jump on board and agree, right? But, you know, the, the there's no doubt about that MTV knows what they're doing as far as filming goes. I mean, because that, like we were all saying now, that was one of the better filmed concerts that they did for that tour, right? And, uh, I mean, I, I really like how they got really up close on Peter and stuff like that. Because Peter Chris, I find, always seems to be the one who suffers the most on these kind of concert things. Because... They, they seem to stray away from them unless it's a drum solo or something. So, But I thought they did a really good job with showing them and featuring them a little bit more during the performance than normally. Lonnie? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think MTV kind of put their arm around Kiss a little bit after the success of MTV Unplugged and they, um, you know, released the CD, released the video at the time. And you know, saw the success of the reunion tour. They closed out the MTV Video Music Awards. That was a, at the time, that was a big, big deal. And that, and MTV Video Music Awards now are like a caricature of what they used to be. I mean, they were a big deal in the, in the mid-90s when they closed that thing out. Um, it was a who's who of not only music, but of rock, too. And for Kiss to be closing that out in 96 from underneath the Brooklyn Bridge, I mean, you're right. MTV stepped to the plate and, and gave Kiss the, the prime spot, the absolute most pristine spot they could give them with closing out that show. And, you know, not even – and not say, okay, you're going to close out the show from the hall where we're having it at. No, you're going to close out the show in grand Kiss style and do and, and did it under the Brooklyn Bridge. And it's um, – not only was, was that a great idea and it – really kind of put the, I mean, I walked into school as a senior in high school, I walked into school the next day, I was so freaking proud of my band after watching that that night, you know, and everybody knew I was a Kiss fan, but, you know, after and all, you know, and all my friends, you know, watched it because it was MTV Video Music Awards, you know, and everybody, you know, nobody could really say shit to me that day about them, because they kicked ass and everybody knew it. And that's a, it was a great performance, but putting them in that slot, not only are you not going to close it out but you're gonna close it out under the Brooklyn Bridge, and it's that was awesome. There's no doubt about it. No, New York. I can't wait. I'm going there next week. So, uh, yeah. fuck. I'm <laughs> going to the Brooklyn Bridge. Huh? All right. So, black and blue reunion. No, thank you. Um, yeah. Let's see. Right, let's go back to Alex for another one. Alex. All right. I just pulled this one up, and I thought I liked it. It's it's from Doctor Like, and it's called Kiss Constant Memories. I'll kind of read his, um, he mentioned going back home to San Francisco to go to the Comedy Central Cluster Fest. It was at the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium, which is where he first saw Kiss in 83. Um, and he just mentioned that, you know, about having some flashbacks and memories and stuff. And so his question was, you know, anyone else ever have a flashback to some Kiss event in their life like that? Like coming across something that reminds you of, you know, getting a doll or as a kid or something, or the first time hearing or anything? Um, you know, I, I always thought for me, at least for me, anytime I would go to the Verizon Center, the way they had the lighting for like the stairs and stuff, it kind of looked like the uh, the Kiss stage set that they used for like ten years after like the uh, like the farewell tour and stuff like that. So I'd always kind of give hints like that. Or if I hit up, um, anytime I go to like any like music shop or anything, I always kind of uh, remember being a kid and pulling out the records and stuff. But I guess you know, with you guys, any flashback moments hit you guys at all? Flashback moments. I mean, I think mine are all uh, post-traumatic stress disorder when I have those flashbacks when it comes to Kiss. Uh, no, you know, I see fluorescent and I immediately see Paul Stanley and Who Wants to Be Lonely. Uh, you know, flashing clothing items. I, I don't really have any, Lonnie. Any nothing causes you to flashback? Not really. Um, whenever I go to where the St. Louis Blues play and watch a game, I always. I guess I always look at section 303 up in the rafters because that's where I sat um, the first time I saw him back in '96 on the reunion tour. I always yeah. look up. I always look up to that section. That's that's where I sat that night when I saw them for the first time. And it's you know it's, I always I, no matter 
how many Blues games or events I go to at that at that arena, no matter what it is or who it is, I always looked up to that section. That's where that's where I was that night the first time I saw. Them. The the, yeah, I, I, the what was that? The Blues. Yeah. What is that? The hockey, hockey team. The hockey team. Okay, sorry. Shit. Come on, Julian. <laughs> yeah, so my my thing is my thing is very similar to to Lonnie's actually. I mean, whenever I go to like the Air Canada Center or whenever I go see other bands at the Molson Amphitheater here, I kind of have that flashback of when I where I sat when I saw them for Sonic Boom and stuff like that. And actually, the the funny thing is, every once in a blue moon, when I go into the, my local music store here, uh, just last week actually, there was a guy who had brought in a guitar that he wanted to sell, and it was a it was an Iceman, like a Ivan as like a Paul Stanley one, and it looked like it looked quite like his uh, old like 70s one. So I was kind of a you know had a quick flashback there because you know Paul Paul Stanley over the years had gone through so many different kind of guitars over the years. He went to Washburn and stuff like that, and he switched it up. So when he when just to see the old the uh, Iceman like that. And it wasn't like the cheapo one. You could tell it was like a higher up model of it. That kind of gave me a quick, uh, a quick flashback of it. And since we're talking about music and that, um, one of the threads on there that I took an interest to that I was looking at today was, uh, let me see if I can get this guy's name right here. Uh, Iggy Montpelier. He posted, uh, let's talk about Gene's bass lines, which I thought was a kind of cool topic because I think Gene as we've talked about lots of times, is an extremely underrated bass player. And I mean, a lot of the bass lines that he's done on the record, and yeah, I know some people are going to say, well, Gene didn't play all the bass lines, but whatever, let's just say for argument's sake that he played most of them. The, a lot of his bass lines on there are, are really memorable. I mean, he isn't just a, you know, stick on the root note kind of bass player. He does a lot of moving around the fretboard, and a lot of his melodies that he's come up with are, are quite memorable. You know, Going Blind is the one that instantly jumps out right away when you think about his bass playing. So I think that it's a really cool thread, and it's interesting to see the kind of... Well, interesting to see the songs that people bring up that they find that they're favorite ones that he's done. One thing I'm noticing from all the videos that are coming out because of his solo shows is that you're getting to watch him play bass on a lot of different songs now, which is really kind of fun and cool, because otherwise you're just never going to see him in a, in a Kiss show do any of that stuff. And so I've been mm -hmm. absolutely fascinated to watch him actually play a lot of this obscure stuff, and he is a, a very competent player. Without a doubt, and I'm, you know, obviously I'm not a skilled musician in any sense of the word, but he looks comfortable. He knows what he's, he knows which end of the instrument to hold. Um, <laughs> you know, more than that, he looks, you know, he he's doing stuff that they've never done, and he's doing it very well. Uh, you know, with limited amount of rehearsal time. What was it for the Philly show? He got back from England, and a day later he's doing another show. And I'm sorry, at 68, mm -hmm. 69 years old, however the hell old he is, um, you know, he's doing impressively, um, and to be singing at the same time, which I just I can't I can't even sing my own songs and play at the same time. So, <laughs> there was a, yeah, I, so somebody had filmed one of the entire Kiss cruises um, on his side of the stage. So you could hear that the whole mix, you hear his uh, monitors. And I remember that, uh, watching that one time, and I was quite impressed with, with his bass playing, you know, because, like you mentioned, you don't really hear it, but when you've been seeing these videos lately, you go like, wow, like, he really knows what he's doing, and he's playing those descending bass lines and so forth, and, and you really see a guy who, like you mentioned, he knows which end of the bass to hold up. Yeah, I mean, he's not Billy Sheehan, but he's uh, not Sid Vicious either, so... <laughs> that's, that's two, two extremes the total like one extreme to the other there i mean i mean could you imagine that though i mean that that's one of those situations where you're, you're kind of glad that someone like billy sheehan would, would is not in that band because i mean it's like that argument that they had before that how billy sheehan said that he was approached to join van halen now i could just imagine if he was in that band it would be a total disaster i think because they don't need you know, a bass player like him in that band. They need somebody who can sing really well and who can kind of, you know, hold down the fort with Alex Van Halen. They don't need some guy who can tap and do all kinds of stuff that Eddie does. I mean, sure, it's cool, but it's it's all about, like, playing for the song. And I think sometimes bass players like him don't keep that in mind. There's some, they, they, they get in their mind that they want to be in the spotlight a little too much 
and they just go a little overboard with their playing. So that's why you got you got to give props for, to Gene for that. I mean, he he knows what to do with the songs. He plays for the songs, and when he gets his spotlight, he does what he does. He does his blood bit. I mean, and that's it. You know, that's the sign to be of a great bass player. He knows what to do for the song and how to make it strong. Yeah, but some of the best bass players in rock. I mean, just think of them: Geezer, John mm-hmm. Whistle. It comes to mind mm-hmm. immediately. Ian mm-hmm. Hill, Judas Priest. Yes. Um, Cliff. Uh, Cliff Willi- Williams. Yeah, ACDC. You know, yeah. come on. You know, who aren't necessarily the most spectacular. They're not Getty Lees, who can, you know, play the bass, sing, pedals, kazoo, all at the same time. Uh, <laughs> you know, but what what they do is more important than, you know, like you said, holding down, playing the right stuff. So, yeah. Lonnie, let's Definitely. go. Let's go to you for the next next one. All right, I'm gonna do something similar we just did a little bit ago. Um, and Darren, 1975, posted one show opener and only one always. Which song do you guys prefer that Kiss opens with, or what's the favorite, or what's you know maybe maybe you saw a show you know in '04 and they opened with Love Gun you, that you really like that or. You know, you saw them open with Psycho Circus in 98 or on 14, I guess, open with Psycho Circus, too. But what, what's your favorite What's your favorite song that Kiss can open with? And Julian, I know you're going to say Deuce. No, I'm not, actually. Really? No. It's surprising. Detroit, into Deuce. It, it, it just works for me. Um, Detroit, Rock City. I, I want at the top of the show. Alex. Um... I'm kind of the same, but like Detroit going in the King of the Nighttime World. Mark. Yeah, I'm. I mean, as much as I'm a anti-Destroyer guy, <laughs> I have to. I have to admit that uh, <laughs> that Detroit Rock City is is the best opening song that they have. So I mean, you you can't argue with it. I mean, it's a definite you know eye opener. It gets everybody off up off their seats, and I think it's very strong as an opener. Well, isn't that kind of how the lyrics go? Do you have a choice in the matter? <laughs> <laughs> and, and yes, you can say something nice about the song versus the studio version, right? Because live, it doesn't have any of it, that, that gimmicks. Yeah, exactly. And that, and like I said, if you people remember, in the past episodes, I have said that my main problem with that record is all around Ezrin. It's not so much about the songs. It's about Ezrin's ridiculous production that he does on that album. Okay. Uh, Lonnie. <laughs> <laughs> Hell? Anything else? Uh, no, um, my favorite is, I liked the way they did it on the reunion tours, Deuce into King of the Nighttime World. So, good stuff. I'm just really distracted here. I'm on Polestar right now, and they've just posted the uh, Iron Maiden box scores for their England tour, which took place around the same time as Kisses in many of the same venues, so uh, no new Kiss ones, unfortunately. Alright, so, Alex! Let's go back to you. Pick a topic. Let's see, I've, uh... I saw this one a while ago, but let's, uh... Let me just, uh... I I mean, is anyone gonna go to the should Kiss retire thread? Which is still pretty high up on the front. We can do that. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm while you think about yours, Alex. Should Kiss retire? Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm say gonna... yes. I'll just say it. I'm gonna say yes. It's I, I think so. You know, in 2000, I remember listening to an interview, and Paul Stanley says, and you know, people ask him, "Well, why, why are you retiring now?" He goes. Well, he goes, I don't want to be the guy that stayed at the party too long. And at this point, as much as I love them, they are the band that stayed at the party too long. It's it's showing at this point. I mean, I was excited to see them when they came back in 03 and 04. Um, and I was really excited when Sonic Boom came out in 09. And that's when the crack started the show, though, was around 09. And the cracks have become deeper and wider. And like Julia mentioned earlier in the show, you're to a point where you can't even, that you've dropped one of your signature songs from the set because you can't perform it properly anymore. You know, when things like that start happening, it's 
it's time to say goodbye. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Go ahead. Go ahead. I have to agree. You know, it's um, and but you know, even with that, with retiring, you know, like retire from the life stuff. But you know, you know, it's funny. I, I was listening to that Beatles, uh, the Sgt. Pepper Deluxe Edition. You know, with the different takes that they released and everything, excellent too. And I was thinking, like, you know, here's a band from the '60s. Granted, they were such a phenomenon. It makes sense that they have a lot of those recordings and so forth. But you know, they do all these great archive releases. I go like, why, you know? And of course, you know, I know that was the whole stuff with who owns rights and everything. But you know, I think Kiss is at a point now they could easily get away with doing, um, you know, here or there some small intimate shows if they want to. But why not do some archive releases now? Um, do some of those projects, you know, they'll still get a, an income and so forth. But, you know, with Paul's voice, gosh, <laughs> you know, I was thinking, you know, once with his voice, like, man, it must be tough for maybe for his kids to, to hear the dad speak because he's probably coming home after some of these tours and not having a voice for a while. And, uh, you know, if your voice and I'm you know, sure it's got to be painful with what he's going through. And, you know, if your body's in pain, that's your body telling you you should probably step back. And take a breather, and take care of yourself, and relax. Are you cooking fajitas? No, my wife's uh, <laughs> my wife's cooking corn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I gotta I gotta agree with what Lonnie said earlier. I mean, it's it's really gotten to that point now where some of the shows are becoming painful to watch. Almost, I mean, when I find myself watching the shows, oh, here we go. Okay, and I've but I find myself watching the shows, and when it comes for Paul to sing, I kind of find myself tensing up, like, oh, like you know, what's going to happen? Is he, is he going to be able to go through it? And you know, the, back in the day, you know, that thought would never enter a Kiss fan's mind. I think ever that Paul would be, you know, the the risky singer of the band. I mean, it would always probably be, you know, maybe Ace back then, but you know, you would you wouldn't really mind, you know, it's Ace, you know, so. But now when it's at this point, I think they got to really consider, you know, stopping because it's when you're paying so much money for tickets, too. And there was a thread about that as well. You know, do you think Kiss will increase their ticket prices as it gets nearer to the end, which is an interesting topic. But, uh, you know, can they even justify that? You know, like when they do a farewell tour for real and say, that's it. And they're going to, you know, maybe jack it up a bit more. The ticket prices, do they even have a leg to stand on for doing that? Because, I mean, we're not getting a band at full operational power here. I mean, Gene Simmons really is the, probably the only singer amongst them that's, you know, kept himself in tip-top shape. Yeah, Eric Singer as well. But, I mean, you know, compared to Paul and Gene, Gene, you know, who would have thought that he would have been the one who was in you know great shape and still can sing his material just as well as he did before, you know? So I, I'm... I find that now, if they if they really and love their fans as much as they say they do, then they have to think about that. I think as well because you know if you're charging these people a lot of money, are you charging them really? Are they getting what their what their money's worth? Are they getting their money's worth for what's coming up? That's what I get concerned about. Yeah, I I think we've kind of reached the point where um, it's no longer valid or even worthwhile being an apologist or trying to make excuses that it's the YouTube videos that don't sound good and yeah I've I've tried to kind of sugarcoat it to a certain extent maybe for my own benefit um, I still say after Reno that it was a different creature listening live with everything assaulting you in person than you you do get um, but it, it is noticeable, and, you know, bless Paul Stanley. I, I mean, it's just, you know, fate is unkind. Fate doesn't care. That it to be him, of all the members of the band, to kind of crack first um, is just cruel. It, it, it's so utterly cruel. Like he, he can't even introduce a song now. So... Figure out how to end it and do it, end it properly. I, I like Gene's idea. What was it, free show? Yeah. 
free show like you should do like you know Central Park that'd be amazing you know free show but international satellite broadcast and sell the fucking rights to it and make your bank that way you know right yeah make it, it make it, your bank it, off a of pay-per-view yeah do it do it in New York it's gotta be in New York regardless of where they've gone Kiss was in New York, man. It's got to be somewhere there. So what are the stadiums? You know, I really don't see, you know, millions of people turning up to need a Central Park for Kiss at this day and age because of staying so long and staying so visible for so many years after the fact. I think it would just be, oh, they're finally, it's going to be like Cher. You know, oh, she's she's actually finally going to do it, okay? Reunion Tour 14 or whatever, you know, Farewell Tour 14. But do it right. Just do it with the set, with a, with a pay per view to make the money, and DVD release afterwards with interviews. But do it with Ace and Peter, and you know, you know, still have Tommy and Eric there. You know, respect everyone who's living. Bruce, um, Vinny, if you know, if you know, buy him dinner. Simple as that. Don't put them up in a sleazy flea bag hotel. Buy them dinner. Put them in a nice hotel. But all the members, all the members of the band, to come on, you know, for rock and roll all night at the end. Maybe do a song that they were a lineup, a member of the lineup. But it, it's time, I think. And then we get, uh, then we can really get into the archives, right? Yeah. Yeah. Lonnie, do you have a happier topic to? Do I have a? Happier... You chose a topic. Blame me. <laughs> I know. I feel like oh, we're no, at the Kleenexes now. <laughs> you know, I, I've I've got one. Um, I couldn't find it, but I remember it a long time ago, and I always liked it. But it was, it was pretty much if you could have pick any producer to produce a Kiss album, who would you pick? And you know, I was thinking the other day because I've been listening to quite a bit of uh, Utopia. You know, that band that Todd Rundgren had in the seventies and and eighties. And I remember thinking, you know, because I did love the Elder, but I remember thinking, like, I wonder how it would sound if he had, if he had produced the Elder, what kind of changes he would have he would have perhaps made. Um, and then I also thought about even if he did, did a rock album, because I know he did uh, an album a handful of years back called Arena, and he like I remember in an interview he mentioned like going back and listening to some of the heavier rock albums of of the of the seventies and the day to get inspiration to what he wanted to make it sound like and stuff. And so when he came out with that Arena album. It came out as an excellent album. So I guess, you know, if you guys could pick a producer uh, to produce a Kiss album, if, if you know, who would it have been? Lonnie. Um, someone who... I guess Bob Rock, maybe, just to be different? I don't know. I, I, well, because, I can think of three. Because... I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like I what I would really like is another Eddie Kramer produced Kiss album. If I if I can choose it, if I can do it that way, I'd really like to see Eddie Kramer work with Kiss again. If I if I had my if I had my pick of, of a producer for the next Kiss album, it'd be for Eddie Kramer to work with Kiss one more time. You know, it's funny. Everybody seems to go back to him, including myself, right? To to pick him, mainly because we always seem to associate the best Kiss album ever made, which is Rock and Roll Over with him right but uh i think that there's some other producers that could have maybe did an interesting job with it i mean i think you know mutt lang would have been an interesting guy to have done some stuff with him with them because i mean he has a good grasp of songwriting which is something that they need help with sometimes right um another guy that i thought that would be interesting in in the new current time because he's been kind of associated with the label of you know, when a band needs to go back and make a record that's back to their roots, and I don't know if I buy that tag for this guy, but people always say Rick Rubin. You know, let's get Rick Rubin to do it. You know, he Metallica used them, the this uh, Sabbath used them for 13, and this now. Now I hate Rick Rubin's production style. I think it's over compressed to shit. And who do you hate terrible. more, Rick Rubin? Or, who do you <laughs> hate more, Rick or Bob? Who, yeah, who, who, who well, it's close, but. <laughs> Uh, I, I gotta say, I, I, I do hate Rick Rubin a bit more than wow. Bob Ezrin. I mean, his some of his production is just terrible. And really, what really bugs me about him is that this is a guy who sits his big rear end on a sofa 
okay, lying down, listening to the playback of the stuff that was done and going, um, I don't like that pre-chorus. We should really do something different. And then he disappears for weeks at a time and gets the engineer to work with the band. Like, that is not a producer. You don't come in for an hour at a time, you know, eat your disgusting vegetarian meals that he was always bringing there, and then say that this is how the record should go. And I, I just, even everybody I know that he's worked with has complained about him. Slipknot and all these guys who have said that they, he's come in and tried to work with them. They, they just don't like his style. And I don't like it either, this whole coming in, one hour, I'm gone for the week, come back again. That's not producing, you know, and the end results are always shit anyways. So why, why, why do you hate vegetarians? Well, I hate them because, <laughs> well, I just hate them because they're related to him. Like oh, okay. when I think when I think of Rick Rubin, that's one of the things that clearly come into my head. But I don't hate vegetarians. Vegetarians, sandal <laughs> wearing <laughs> vegans. Yeah, there you go. And so, <laughs> but you know, I think that he's another one that might be interesting because they always seem to associate that to it as well, right? But you know. Who, who who knows what could happen if you would do, even have brought in, you know, like who else is some of the big producers of the time? You know, like you said, Bob Rock. There's a there's a guy who has done a lot of records, and has done records that were some of the more mentionable ones. Motley Crue's Doctor Feelgood, you know, and you know the Black Album for Metallica. So I mean, could you imagine if Bob Rock made a record for Kiss that did something like that, like 15 million albums sold? Nobody would be talking about Eddie Kramer anymore, or you know. Or Bob Ezrin. Or Bob Ezrin, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, something like Hot in the Shade could use Bob Rock. Yeah, at the time. Yeah. yeah. He would have been a hot producer at the time. At the time. I, I mean, as for, I, I don't know, I think when I start thinking about the kind of producers I do like, um, some of the work they've done, obviously Mutt Lang is kind of top of the list for me. I, I've thought about Bob Rock and... Ruben and no, they just wouldn't work with the band. I I think an interesting one. Who's the guy who did uh, Nirvana's in Utero? Uh, Albini. Oh, Steve Albini. Yeah, yeah. Steve Albini. You yeah. know the aggressive sound of that, the discordant. It could be kind of fun with Kiss. He would have been perfect, Carnal and Souls. You know, mm-hmm. the, I think he could have made that sound like it wasn't recorded in a cardboard box. Um, <laughs> what, what's that, Alice in Chains? Down in down in a hole, whatever. I don't, I don't know any of that fucking stuff. So um, now for now for an album, I think with Paul, they need Ezrin. They need some magic. So best mm-hmm. best producer, simple as that, to to help them out of a rut. All right, another thread, uh, Alex. Me, you know, um, I want to hear a little bit about. Um, oh, I was just had it. I hate it. I hate it when my page locks up. Give me one sec. Blame the F- blame the FAQ. Everyone else does. No, it's I, I still use Windows Seven on my laptop. Yeah, that add no Windows Seven. Together. <laughs> um, you know, okay, there we go. Unmasked thoughts. Um, you know, uh, was you know the uh, person posted that he was been a fan since '77. How was it, Elvis? V Elvis. Uh, when Unmasked came out, he was ten. Uh, Saying that, you know, Kiss could have released a turtle in the punch bowl and I would have drank it with a smile on my face. Um, Mission he enjoyed Unmasked. Um, but I was just kidding, you know, it's his, now it's like it's an oddball in his discography. So I guess, you know, what's your guys' thoughts with, with Unmasked, you know, overall? I mean, I know, like, my thoughts have always just been, I just wish there was, like, a heavier version. I remember Twisted right. Sister, I did that re record of um, the Stay Hungry album, and they called it Still Hungry. I don't know if you guys ever like heard that. I have it's it. Supposed to be like, it's supposed to be like a little heavier, you know, not as polished or poppy as I guess Stay Hungry was for them. Um, and I did like it. And I've always kind of wished that. And I think somebody else mentioned that too, you know, and if Paul voice, if they can uh, go in and, and re-record on mass. I think the, the songs, some of the songs are great. I think the production, though, you know, that poppiness. I'm, I'm going to say this. How many times have you listened to Destroyer Resurrected? Me? Yeah. That's what I listen to all the time. I don't listen to the regular one. You don't? Oh, shit. No, well, that, that one doesn't work. That, that... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've listened Jesus, to really? Destroyer Resurrected maybe really? maybe twice. Still, yeah. hung, still Hungry, I listened to once, and I'm like, this is 
I why? I I listen to Destroyer Resurrected about as often as I listen to the re-records, which is like I put it in one time, and that and that was more than enough. Uh, I'll be honest, I've listened to Destroyer Resurrected a hell of a lot more in the last year or two than I ever listened to the original, and that's mainly because I wanted to hear and kind of pick out the production stuff that was changed. You know, that was my interest in hearing it because I wanted to hear what was done differently and what he sure. mixed differently. Sure, but and I and I'd ask you what's your go-to version of the story, but we all know you don't have a go-to version of the story. The go-to one is the one that goes into the garbage. That's ah, so <laughs> no, I, I listen to Destroyer Resurrected about as much as I listen to those re-records, which is unlistenable. Really, I, you find it unlistenable compared to the original? Yes. Yes. Like what? Well, okay, what? Let, let me let me ask you this: What specifically about? the re re-resurrected one do you do you like dislike like what is it that you don't like because about it? it's not destroyer because it doesn't sound like kiss destroyer kiss destroyer the same thing so, kiss destroyer sounds a certain way to me and kiss resurrected destroyer resurrected does not sound that way destroyer has a distinct sound to it and you went and effed with it it, it destroyer to sounds a certain way no, it didn't. It, it needed to be, but you still don't like it. So it didn't yeah, need I, to be. Well, Put it with yourself. It's still terrible, but, I mean, <laughs> let, let's put it this way. like, the, the, Okay, some of the things that were lacking in it, he did fix a bit. Like, I thought, you know, some of the clarity of the drums are a bit better on the on that. and But some of the things he did go a little overboard with, like with that car accident part before it goes into King of the oh, Nighttime World, no. it, sounded, it sounded like they dropped... 50 mirrors into the studio and it like exploded full of glass in there. Like they went a little overboard with that. That I have to say. But you know, some of the things are interesting that he did. But I mean, still to me, not an ideal Kiss record. But it was interesting to see what they could do. Because if you think about it, really, it's all the same performances. He just remixed it. There was no redoing of anything. It was just a remix. Right? But it, it doesn't need remixing. It's Kiss Destroyer. It doesn't need remixing. It, it's they. It's it's their. You know, say what you want. I know Mark doesn't like it, but say what you want about it. It's it's their masterpiece from the seventies. It doesn't need to be going back and tampered with. It's 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 the album, and we we did this last week, and I, we were starting to name the songs off the album. That like here, like on the reunion tour, they played six songs off Destroyer. They didn't play six songs off Rock and Roll Over on the reunion tour, Mark. They played one. They altered Take Me in there every once in a while. But it's Kiss. It's Kiss's signature songs. Why go mess with your signature songs and that signature feel that you have? Ain't no signature to me. <laughs> that that to me is more. Well, signature. We always have a minority in everything. So. <laughs> the black sheep of the family. <laughs> that's that's right, right. I like the guitars that they uh, that was found with Beth, though. I thought that, like, I thought it was uh, much more like I don't know. It sounded more fuller to me, at least with yeah, my yeah. At least there was a guitar in this time, and that's what I liked. I mean, even I mean, I could say the same thing with that anniversary edition of Sgt. Pepper. You know, that new 2017 stereo mix that Jazz Martin did. Yeah, yeah. it's not going to replace the original one. But I thought, wow, he did a great job of mixing it and bringing some things to life that I hadn't noticed before. Yes, and you know what? Let me tell you something. The thing that pissed me off about Beatles stereo records before is that they had this ridiculous notion that vocals should be here, drum set should be here. No, 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 no. Put the damn vocals in the middle. Why they ever thought that you should put the vocals over here so when you're listening to headphones you have singing only coming out of this side. It just drove me nuts, okay? Like, that's... Those little corrections that Giles did and centering things and replacing it, that's what I love about the redone version of Sgt. Pepper. I'm glad you brought that up, Alex. Good man. Yeah, well, you brought up a couple of things there that I wanted to just chime in on. One is the guitars and the pianos are a little bit more um, obvious in Destroyer Resurrected, where they're used to augment the guitar, the chords. I like that, and especially in Beth, the underlying acoustic guitar track is you know, very useful. Okay, I want to go to that. I have not uh, purchased the Sgt. Pepper's thing because I only want to listen to the 67 version. And yes! That's the one I've listened yes. to all my life since I was five years old. I don't and, need it! Um, 
But as far as a Kiss product goes, you get all these bands now that are doing like remix versions. Um, you remember that Hollywood Rose CD that came out a few years ago, which had the demo tracks of Axel's, you know, pre-Guns and Roses. Oh band. yeah, yeah. And then you had the yeah, Fred... had like three versions of it. Yeah, yeah the Fred Corey, what and the Gilby I, Clark. What I would yeah. love for them to do is to get Kiss producers, so Michael James Jackson, Ron Nevison, Vinny. Well, Vinny, I think, is retired completely. Um, you know, Eddie, and Bob, to go in, and you get Bob Ezrin doing something with Crazy Nights Master Tracks, uh, or with Unmasked. You have Eddie Kramer working on the tracks for, say, Detroit Rock City or Flaming Youth, uh, as much mm. as you can with the stuff that's been mixed down from, you know, the way it was recorded. So you go back in and use those multi-tracks but in the hands of a producer and not any of these schmucks like Fred Corey, no offense to Fred, uh, you know, Binghamton guy, but, you know, these these people who are not high-level producers. I think mm -hmm. that could be a really fun, you know, 12 or 15-song <clears throat> album. You know, here's the four songs Bob Ezrin always wanted to tinker with. Okay. It's a good idea. Here's the ones yeah. Ron Nevison. Ron Nevison wants to re-tinker with Crazy Nights. You know, here's what I do now. Michael James Jackson let him loose on Unmasked. I mean, hey, <clears throat> yeah. come, come in and do for it. I would love to actually hear that. That could be fun if they're using the original multi-tracks and not adding a single note of any other instrument that was not recorded at the time. So that means if there were two channels of stuff recorded that was never used, never heard, that they could bring it up in the mix, and just like Bob did on Resurrected with the acoustic guitar. That would be the only thing I'd ever want to hear another production, another, another producer touching their material from the past. So, Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a really interesting idea. I think it would be something that people would be interested in hearing as well. And uh, just one other little comment I have to make about the Beatles scene just really quickly is that you said that the 67 record is the one that you go to and want to hear. Now, I kind of agree with that as well, because my go-to version of that album is the mono one, because I agree with John Lennon, who said, if you haven't heard Sgt. Pepper in mono, you haven't heard that album. And I agree, because I have a really nice mono of that as, as well. And I think that thought that that turned out excellent. It's surprising how good a mono record could sound. It's the same, but with, I, it's the same with Kiss for me. Exactly. The original CDs... That came out in eighty in the mid eighties, and the cassette versions were the ones I grew up with. The people who grew up with the original versions of albums in the seventies, because they were lucky enough to be fans there, those are their versions. When I hear a song, if it's you know if it comes on my playlist and I ripped it from say uh, a Japanese P thirty three CD, I know it immediately. If it's from the K forties or the HD tracks, you know I know it. Because it doesn't sound like the 85 CDs predominantly, which were the ones I listened to for all those years. So, you know, the 67, and it was a cassette we had, actually. Um, it and Rubber Soul were my parents' cassettes. And one was on EMI. I don't even remember what the Sgt. Pepper's one was. Um, that was all I had. A Magical, Magical Mystery Tour was actually an American cassette. You know, we must have gotten that after we moved here, so... You know, it's those sounds. It's the things that you, we talked about it a little bit before. The, what we associate with places, and well, this is what I associate yeah. with sounds when I hear something. It's like that's not the version I remember. So, mm -hmm. all right, let's wrap this up with one last topic each. Um, and I might even have to flip over to the next page. Uh, Can I throw a quick one then? Do it, please. Go. Yeah, go. Then that there was a poll for then she kissed me and any way you wanted which one do you enjoy both neither or one or the other uh, I'd say for me I prefer any way you wanted over then she kissed me yeah I think very marginally I'd have to agree um, I think that any way you wanted just feels a little bit more upbeat and rocky like rockish to me than then she kissed me. Then she kissed me. I, what bothers me about that is that I know that I've heard the original dozens of times because my parents had it in in our house, and you know what's. And then he kissed me the original, right? So it kind of bugs me because I keep hearing that for some reason. And 
in the back of my head because I'm so used to that version. So, but yeah, <clears throat> any way you want it, I think is the better one for me. Neither. I'd go with Then She Kissed Me. <clears throat> yeah, I'd go with Then She Kissed Me over Any Way You Want It. Any Way You Want It does absolutely nothing for me. Then She Kissed Me isn't awful, but it's tolerable. But Any Way You Want It, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with that. It's awful. <laughs> All right, Mark. Final topic. If <clears throat> if you even have one, because there's you know I'm looking through eighty threads and I'm like that's not very interesting. That's not very interesting. Yeah. Come on, guys. We got to up our game on the FAQ message board. We need Rapid City, South Dakota. Yeah. So I upped that video accidentally and oops. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, I mean I've been looking through here and like I said, my my favorite topics are the ones like I mentioned earlier. Like things that I want to see, like the programs and the stats and stuff like that. And a lot of this other stuff is just not really too much of interest to me, to be quite honest. But So, so I'm going to pass. So it's, I'm, I'm trying to think of, it's a little bit like Hot in the Shade, a little bit too much filler. Yeah, there you go, perfect. Wow, that's why you're the boss, see? Lonnie. The logic. I got no more topics. I want another cup of tea, so I'm ready to call this one if you don't have yeah, another topic. Yeah, I think we're good. I think we're good. I think we've kind of we've gone through the good ones that are on there right now. So, yeah, essentially that is it. That's just our take on a few of these uh, threads and topics and other things, just the the vague kind of tangents that we're able to go off on just uh, hanging out with each other and having a conversation about this. So, you know, why don't you chime in on any of these threads, where you le- wherever you listen to the FAQ podcast, and give us your thoughts on any of the threads that we've touched on today. There's a lot. We've kind of skirted over some stuff, gone into some stuff, and, uh, you know, let us know what you think. So, from Mark, from Alex, from Lonnie, and myself, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final, there are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.